Welcome to the Property Unlocked podcast. I'm Scarlett Douglas. And I'm Stuart Douglas. We believe that property should be accessible, fun and profitable for everyone. Yes, so this podcast provides valuable insights from experts and influencers in the property space. Now, whether you're a first-time buyer, renovating your home or just curious about the property scene, we've got you covered. We are here to give you the information you need to make informed decisions and take your property game to the next level. With amazing guests lined up to join us along the way, we're excited to share our knowledge and experience with you. Welcome to Property Unlocked. I've got to say, I'm very excited about the guest this week because like me with her interior design, she likes bold prints, patterns, bright colors. But does she like high heel stiletto chairs. I hope so. I hope not. (laughs) We'll find out. Now, we know that many people worry that going green might mean giving up their style or comfort. So this week, we are speaking to a design expert who challenges that notion. She is an award-winning interior designer, upholsterer and upcycler who's known for transforming cherished pieces into stunning modern creations. You may recognise her from Flipping Profit on BBC One, interior design masters with Alan Carr on BBC Two, or even changing rooms on Channel Four, where she broke barriers as the first black interior designer in the show's history. Yes, we are delighted to welcome Michaela Sharp to Property Unlocked. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? We feel extremely privileged because we know that you live in Spain. <laughs> yes, Spania. <laughs> it was quite a long commute to get here. <laughs> you guys are worth you it. You came here just for the listeners. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, I mean, normally we start at the very beginning, but you've dropped Spain in now. We've, got, it in a, there, we've yeah. got to talk about you living in Spain. How did that even happen? Yeah, I decided to move quite recently about kind of five, six months ago. Mm. I think after lockdown, everyone was reimagining, weren't they? Like what kind of lifestyle you want, where you want to be. I actually got divorced a few years ago. So it kind of like gave me a fresh slate, a clear slate to decide what I wanted to do. And I just thought, now's my chance. Like if I get into another relationship or whatever, there's all the compromise that you have to make about Mm -hmm. where you need to be and families and things like that. So yeah, I just took the plunge and I've moved. I'm still waiting for a visa, which is a process and a half. That's another <laughs> yeah. whole separate podcast, yeah. I think, visas. But yeah, it's going really well. I'm really happy there. So did you watch quite a lot of A Place in the Sun during lockdown Why you decided to make the move? <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You can say no if you that. want, by the way. I've always watched that. And I was brought up by my grandparents and they used to have a house in the south of Spain. Ah. So every summer I would spend in Spain. So it, in Malaga, it kind of feels like a little bit of home. In some aspects, not, because I need to learn Spanish. Yeah. So that's a big one. But yeah, I'm getting there slowly, one step at a time. But everything's very uprooted at the moment. I'm just still in Airbnbs and right, okay, moving. Yeah. So, so yeah. how do you find property over there in compared to property here? Oh, it's so different. Do you know what? I miss the colour and the variety here mm-hmm. because there they just, everything's white. Yeah. Oh. You know, white on white on white. <laughs> or a bit and of terracotta. Like, and a bit of ter- and I yeah. do love terracotta. <laughs> but like, yeah, I just miss the variety. I mean, it's great because everything's light filled there. So, you know, like with so much white and so much sun, everything looks fresh. 
But yeah, I just like craving colour. And even the way that they dress is more muted. Yes. Oh. So like if I wear something pink, I'm the only person in Malaga not wearing like black or navy. <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of an adjustment. And I think you really see that in terms of the furnishings over there as well. I spent a lot of time in Spain, obviously with a place in the sun and my dream derelict home in the sun actually. And a lot of the furnishings there are very different. They use a lot of heavy wood, yeah. a lot of oak, a lot of pine, a lot of the yellow wood, a lot yeah. of big chunky furniture. And obviously coming from a furnishing background, do you like that? Do you not like that? What would you do to kind of mix it up and change it there? Because of the climate there, they always go for the wood and I'm missing the upholstery. Yes. I'm like, where is the fabric? Get some like soft furnishings in here. <laughs> but because they're homes, they don't damp proof stuff in Spain. No. So it goes kind of mouldy. Yeah. So they don't have upholstered headboards or chairs. Everything's wooden. Yeah, which is not my vibe. So I'm just trying to like inject more pattern and fabric and colour. That's what I'll be doing when I eventually find my place. I'm looking for a farm. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's going to be a real life shift and a change of pace. But yeah, it will be the most colourful Spanish farm, I think, around. Yeah, you'll see it from miles away. Yeah, it will be a beacon. Yeah, Yeah. it will be. Everyone will know that this is Michaela's farm. Yeah, I know I'm from out of town. (laughs) I love that. You should do a TV show on it to follow your journey. Oh, that would be the dream. That would yeah. be the absolute dream. We'll talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> so we've gone ahead of ourselves and yeah. we've spoken about where you are now. Let's get back to the start. What were the earliest memories of your childhood home? Yeah, so my childhood home I can remember really clearly because my family didn't move around. I was brought up by my grandparents and they had me from six months old. Okay. And they had that house up until they passed away when I was like about 30. Where was that? In Sidcup. Oh, okay, right, in yeah. Kent. Yeah. yeah, so that house, my nan and granddad had this like really hilarious style which was lots of pattern which is obviously where I get it from Mm -hmm. we had this like pink living room with loads of just so many things that probably actually didn't work together <laughs> but at the time the at the time fantastic. they didn't work together oh, either. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. kind of you to say yeah. yeah but now I look back at pictures and I think oh my god how did people come and sit in that dining room with like stripey you know like a dado rail stripes yeah. at the bottom floral at the top right, wow. yeah. you know like a dotty carpet it was a commitment she yeah. went all in <laughs> yeah. like there were no planes yeah. anywhere a for effort right a yeah. for effort yeah but it was like thank god we only had to sit in there for like birthdays and Christmases right. you know it was a lot but yeah so those are my early memories really like lots of color lots of pattern everything was quite soft and cozy loads of stuff yes they never threw anything away what, what is it with I, our I parents know, are the same I know like even now we go back to our parents house and there are things there from 1975 <laughs> oh yeah like, why is this still don't here don't look in the freezer as well <laughs> oh, like, you can't eat this Honestly, guys. and I was like it's fine it's frozen like, but mum that was years ago yeah. it's been there from before yeah. I was there there were volivants <laughs> in our freezer and I'm like they don't even sell these anymore <laughs> yeah I don't know I think because my grandparents maybe it was a bit of that war era not throwing anything away yeah. fixing everything yeah. my granddad was a carpenter so nothing was ever really broken in our house he would always fix it so I kind of got that from him like learning how to think a bit more sustainably think about first and foremost like what you already have how can you fix it how can you reimagine it maybe yeah before you start looking externally to like mm. buy something new. Mm. And when he failed, everything just went to the garage. Right. So then there was yeah. like, you know, right. three yeah. broken toasters. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm like, why have we got all the, <laughs> just like the graveyard of stuff? <laughs> yeah, so loads and loads and loads of stuff, which was a lot to go through then when they passed away. Right. But also really interesting because I found stuff that I'd never even seen in the house, you yeah. know, wow. like 
a box of receipts that my nan had kept from their wedding. Oh, wow. of like the shirt that my granddad had bought for the wedding, like her shoes. Really weird. Like, why would you keep mm. the receipts? Yeah, but, but the memories are there. Yeah, it shows you the level of which they did not throw stuff away. Yeah, no, but, I really um, love but that. yeah, it was a really cozy, homely place to live. It seems like you were influenced by your grandparents without even realizing. And I'd love to know more about your journey into like upholstery and interior design from living at or with your grandparents and to growing up through school, through maybe studying at university. How did you get into being an interior designer? <laughs> yeah, it's a twisty, turny story mm. and one that really could have been more direct if I'd figured stuff out earlier. Okay. Right. So my granddad was a carpenter. My nan taught me how to sew when I was younger. Right. So I used to like take her old clothes and make them like, you know, shorter and smaller and change them and stuff. So I loved doing that. My granddad had a workshop in the garage. And so we'd like go and make stuff together in the garage. And I was actually quite good at woodwork. Mm -hmm. But because I was a girl and there was yes. this generational thing, yep. it was never like, oh, you're going to be a carpenter right. like your granddad. Would you have pursued it? Yeah. Oh, you would have. I think I, I would have. I did um, woodwork at school and I loved it. And I was always really good at it. But you're right, there was never really anyone to aspire to become like no so and also like, oh. people around you are like oh you're so good at woodwork but what will you be when you're older yeah right. but like if I'd been a boy it would be like oh you're going to be a carpenter yeah so it didn't even really occur to me so I went off and did geography okay, okay. as you do, do when you don't know what you're yeah. going to do with your <laughs> yeah. life and then I started working in travel and a really really twisty turny you know series of different jobs that eventually led me to work for a startup in town and I was working for this tech company and that was kind of the best experience I could have had about working for yourself Okay. because right. they were raising funding and growing and doing all these amazing things. And I was their first employee. And right. when I left, they, I think there were 70 people in the oh, office okay. or something. Wow. So I kind of took all of this confidence about what it was like to start on your own and grow a business. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then my granddad got ill. My nan had already passed away at this point. So I decided to step back from work and hang out with him. And while I was off, I thought, oh, I'll do an upholstery course, which a friend suggested to me. Okay. She was like, I was saying, oh, I want to do something creative and be making again and stood up and using my hands. And she was like, have you thought about upholstery because you love fabric and you love carpentry? And I was like, how? Have I not thought about this until I've like put the two yeah. things together before? Yeah, I was furious. Yeah. Like, you know, when someone gives you a good idea, and yeah. you want to be like, yeah, I already thought of that. Yeah. But, but you actually like, did it. I actually didn't. Yeah, and I was like, what? How have I missed this? So I went and did a course and loved it straight away. Mm. And then my granddad helped me make my first two pieces. Okay, oh. which, which were piano stools. Right, okay. the yeah. basics. Nothing yeah. like. I don't have them anymore, actually, um, but I sold them. So yeah, well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, someone has them. Yeah, someone's okay. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. They've probably reupholstered them by now. No, but... <laughs> don't say that. Hopefully not. <laughs> but yeah, so then I did the course, and sadly, my granddad passed away. And so then I thought, okay, I've got an opportunity here with some inheritance to start a business. Okay. Do I back myself in the upholstery world or not? I decided I did. Yes. So I started a business in upholstery and all my friends thought I was mad coming from tech and working in an office and going, yeah, I'm just going to be an upholsterer. Yeah. They all thought I was absolutely, yeah, I'd lost the plot and I was like grieving and doing weird stuff, but <laughs> I loved it and I've never looked back. Oh, good. That's really good. So would you advise anybody else to do an upholstery course? Because I've never done one. Mm. And, and what does it entail? Yeah, so I think people think it's more complicated than it is, upholstery, because 
you always see like the finished product and you don't necessarily see all the layers underneath. So it feels like a bit of a unknown, but it's really straightforward. I actually have an online course um, with Create Academy for total beginners. So I kind of teach on there how to make a headboard from scratch, which is the same as doing like a dining seat which is usually what you would start with but on a bigger scale so and you only have to do it once you don't have to do four chairs you can just do one headboard yeah it's not as complicated as people think it's just about the confidence to give it a go like maybe the confidence to rip something apart as well you know you've got grandma's chair you've got to take the old fabric off before you can get started and that feels a bit like oh my god like am I going to get it right but then once you're in it's so satisfying Mm. it's so nice to make something and and make something really unique that doesn't exist yeah I also like the idea that you're recycling and reusing pieces Mm. that are often very well made Mm. and it's sustainable and like you say, you've got a unique piece that nobody else has, which is, for me, really important. Mm. Yeah, totally. I, I, I like to be unique. <laughs> you are unique. I'm unique, yeah? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> uh, so how long ago did you actually do the course? I did the course in, like, maybe nearly 10 years ago. Was it around then? Mm-hmm. Nearly. Yeah, I did a few. But my course wasn't even a professional. You have an accreditation. You can now, you've got your stamp and your certificate. Off you go. Mm. It was adult education. Right. So I'm here to tell you, you don't have to spend yeah. thousands on going back to university to mm. retrain. Every local adult education centre has an upholstery section, oh. like jewellery making, carpentry. So you can learn these skills in the evening after work one night a week mm-hmm. and decide if you like them yeah. you don't have to commit to you know a, a three year term every day a week sort of thing exactly and thousands of pounds yeah. yeah they're super cheap like a few hundred pounds and you take your own item and it was great i loved it so yeah i hope people will give it a go it's, oh, if i sure. could do it <laughs> and i really didn't have that kind of background then yeah everyone could give it a go yeah so from when you did the course to when you actually set up your company how long was that few years mm. maybe two or three okay. but I think I would have probably not started my business as quickly if it hadn't have been for my upholstery teacher a guy called Steve Simpson who I just loved and he really helped me move through projects quite quickly and really like fueled my passion mm. so I wanted to start the business and I asked him to come on board and he came to work for me oh. so it meant that this pro upholsterer who's you know been in the business decades mm-hmm. I could take every job that came and know that Steve would be able to do it that's good rather than being new and having yeah. to pick and choose the simple projects yeah it was really beneficial to have Steve there mm. and so lucky because it's very rare that you can start a business with someone who's trained you and still be learning as you're growing the yeah. business and the thing is with upholstery is you never really do the same project twice right okay so yeah. you're always learning every mm. chair is different every project is different every fabric is different so there's always little things that come up and you think oh i've not had to do that before mm. so it's nice it's kind of problem solving mm. all the time and it almost sounds as if steve was a mentor to oh. you because mm. I had a mentor and he helped me on my journey. I'd like to think that I was Scarlett's mentor. When <laughs> it was no, you were, you were definitely. Um, but not I, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, well, now, but now technically I'm your mentor in te- TV presenting. Yeah, now I'm being told yeah. what I should or should do. <laughs> or told uh, honestly. Or, yeah. But I do think that people should always look to a mentor, like utilize the advice and experience and the skills of somebody else. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that's really important. And no matter what you're taught, no matter what you learn, no matter what you read, to have 
a mentor by your side is uh, invaluable. It's just the confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Having someone say, yeah, you're doing it right. Yes, you can do it. Yes, I believe in you. And you're like, okay, cool. And, you, yeah. you know, it gives you that extra little boost to do something. Yeah. Do you mentor anyone else? Because I feel like I've got to pay it forward because Steve taught me so much. Yeah. You know, we tend to, even this podcast, really, we're, we're trying to mentor the listeners. On our television shows, we're hoping that we mentor the people that watch our shows. And our time is of the essence. And at the moment, we're very busy. But I would love to go into schools and to community centres and just tell people about our journey. Because if you can inspire others and give them the confidence, like you said, to, to make steps that maybe they wouldn't have, mm. that's really important. So for us, yeah, this particular podcast, our television shows, just general conversations, I think we're always trying to inspire people, I suppose, mentor in that way. Yeah, I totally and agree. Like you said about being good at woodwork and not seeing anyone like female, black, yeah. who is doing it and thinking, oh, well, I can't be a carpenter. Mm. Like now I think that's such an important message. A hundred percent. Everyone can be anything, yeah. you know, and I find it crazy when people come to me and they're like, yeah, but I don't think I could do that. Like, what? I know, and that's our job then to show people that look like us that they absolutely can. Yeah. And we shouldn't have to be put in a box because that's yeah. what's happened so many times. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that anymore. And, you know, Stuart and I are here to be disruptive and to change the game and to show younger black females and males that they can do property if they want to. Or mm. like you, you know, you made history on changing rooms. That's yeah. crazy. When did the new series come out? Was it like a couple of years ago? The new Is series that? was out last year. Right, yeah, so look so. how long it's taken for you to be the first black professional on that show. I know, it was surreal actually and I was so honoured but mm. also, can I say I was a bit disappointed? No, you can, yeah. 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 It's like, why wasn't it more diverse before? But I mean, to their credit, Changing Rooms, when it came back, it's only been two series. So the first series was 2LG and Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, yes. who was like amazing to work <laughs> with someone I grew up watching on screen. Yeah. And then this series, Winnie and I also joined Winnie Williams. So it was like really surreal to do it. And I had the best time. The team is so, so lovely. Mm. And I'm so honoured to have been the first black interior designer. But I hope we can get to a point where... I'm not going to be the first of yeah. things anymore yeah. and mm. that I'm also not the only yeah. and that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people out there. Yeah. So totally agree. I'm looking forward to the day in which we are just TV presenters, yeah. regardless of, oh, black TV presenters, yeah. we're presenters and you do upholstery and you're good at carpentry, regardless of the fact that you're female and that you're from an ethnic minority. Who cares? Are you good at what you do? Yes. Perfect. Done. End of story. Mm. And I think we're taking good steps in that yeah. direction. Yeah. I think so too. We're getting there. Yeah. Poco a poco. Like my Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you are now an inspiration for the younger generation. Who did you have to look up to before when you were kind of just starting out? Was there anybody at all? In interior design, do you mean? Yeah. Um, and in I upholstery, mean, I guess, as well. Yeah, in upholstery. I mean, Jay Blades yes. is like amazing. But, yeah. you know, I wasn't looking up to him when I was young because he wasn't around yeah. when I was younger. Mm. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think people that I looked up to growing up were like not necessarily in those industries, mm -hmm. like just black women in general. general yeah. 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 Who kind of showed me that they were out there being themselves and doing things where they were in a minority kind of made me think, oh, maybe I can go off and do something just, you know, in whatever capacity that is, because I didn't always know I wanted to be an interior designer. Right. But yeah, like, I mean, Spice Girls growing up was like yes. a massive one for me. Yeah. Like seeing them talk about girl power and mm -hmm. Mel B, like that was really stand out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think any interior designers were really on my radar when I was young. 
So now, is there anyone that you would say you absolutely love and you'd love to work with? And how is the kind of interior side added into the upholstery side as well? Yeah, so it's a bit of a mixed bag because I do upholstery and interior design and I'm moving more towards interior design because I think it's just nice to be able to do a whole scheme because, you know, when I'm designing one piece and I'm like, but where's it going to (laughs) go? I'm like, what's going to be next to it? So having a bit more input on the whole thing is a bit more my vibe. But yeah, I mean, when I did interior design masters, one of the guest judges was Kit Kemp. She owns the Firmdale Hotel Group Mm -hmm. and... I have loved their interiors for so long. So when I used to work in travel, she was very much on my radar. Right, okay. So that kind of felt like full circle for me to have loved her style and kind of a business side. And then she was judging my interiors. So, you know, and she gave me some really lovely feedback about my patterns and my layering of patterns and my upholstery. That was really amazing. Mm. And where exactly do you draw your inspiration from to create all your beautiful creations that you do create and make? Yeah, I think for me, it's more traditional. Mm. So I know, I mean, Instagram and TikTok is full of like, very grey, like very beige, very Mm. neutral, minimalist, Scandi stuff. That's not my vibe. Um, So (laughs) I'm more like florals, stripes, layers of pattern, Mm. earthy colours. So quite often I do look to nature, which I know is a really cliche answer. Like, where do you draw your inspiration? I just go walking in the fields. But I do sometimes because I really think those natural colours are quite calming and grounding and for me a space needs to feel like that consistently Mm -hmm. and I think you can kind of always accessorize in extra vibrancy if you want to Mm. but you can't take it away if it's you know you've got really vivid colors on the walls for me that's it's not how I would like to live so I design spaces that are more muted Mm -hmm. still very colorful loads of pattern loads of textiles obviously because I want as many fabrics as I can possibly yeah. shoehorn into a room, <laughs> I will put them in there. So, yeah, more kind of naturally craftsmanship because mm. I want things that are built to last, that yes. are sustainable. So I veer always towards vintage over new stuff yes. um, and having something made where you know you're going to value it. So rather than maybe you can't buy everything up front, maybe you have to stagger your purchases, but you're buying something that you know you're going to have that dining table for life. Timeless, yeah. Yeah, yeah because... If you're not going to have it for life, the question is, where's it going? Yeah. yeah. You know, landfill. Landfill. Really don't want that. Exactly. Exactly. And there's more than enough stuff in the world. Mm. If you really need to buy something, by all means, buy it or have it made or whatever. But if you can look first at what you've got and vintage and charity shops, and there's so many good things that yeah. people are giving away. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I always start with. You and Scarlett will get on extremely well then. I know, I was thinking patterns, colour, florals, yeah, oh, yeah. prints, I love all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I love you it. You could be the same person. <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> so what are the, some of the common mistakes that you've seen homeowners make when selecting their decor or their upholstery and what advice do you give them to avoid these pitfalls and do they listen to you? Mm. Yeah, well, so... <laughs> My advice is always be bold. Okay. Be bolder than you think you have the courage to be. Right, okay. Because people nowadays, they're like, oh, an accent wall. Mm. Take it round the whole room. If you like the wallpaper, why aren't you... Wallpaper all the walls, right, you know? Yeah. Like... I would be so scared to say this to my sister. <laughs> I am loving this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Should be wallpapering the ceilings. Oh, wallpaper the ceiling, please Absolutely. do. <laughs> I'm all for that. Go on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people, they kind of censor themselves a lot with design right. because they 
maybe aren't used to seeing things like you know they've bought a house maybe it's a new build it comes it's all white yeah so it's oh my god i'm gonna paint the wall navy let's just start with one wall yeah, <laughs> yeah. well why yeah. you know you've missed Stay three walls it. commit to it live with it at worst you have to paint white again True. you know mm. three walls but you what it's so rare that you think actually there's too much in this room yeah. And really the colour in the walls is just the backdrop. Then mm. you need to start layering in the rest of the design. Yeah. So thinking really carefully about each piece, colour, pattern, fabric. It's not just like, okay, I've painted one accent wall and then everything else is grey. Yeah. Like, please stop using grey. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the new brown. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And when we look at old pictures of brown and brown and brown, there are, I love it, but there are so few people that would say, oh, yeah, I that's what I want, yeah. brown on brown. Yeah. But they would do grey on grey. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how much joy is that going to bring you when you're yeah. seeing that every day? Mm. Like, when you look outside the window in England, it's grey anyway. And it's grey. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want yeah. any more grey. Exactly. Michaela is now living in Spain. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the theme here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, I always try and encourage people, even if you feel like pattern is a step too far for you, start with colour and start to layer your colours, mm. and don't be afraid to mix things together. You don't need everything to be navy just because yeah. you painted the wall navy. Yeah. Yeah. You can add in some kind of burnt orange. You can add in some different metal tones. Yeah. And don't be afraid to mix things because mm. if you like a piece, you're going to like it in the room. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, I just think be bolder, add more colour, add more pattern mm. and don't be afraid to gradually layer it up. Yeah. You know, yeah, please just don't do one grey accent wall and stop there okay. because it's not going to add much. Everyone listening? Stop the grey accent. Stop the grey accent. <laughs> Go bold, be brave. Go bold. Mix it up. <laughs> yeah. I think as well, sometimes homeowners, they move in and they're thinking, what does this place need to look like for when I sell it? Right. Oh, but you've got to live in it first. Yeah. And live in it well, yeah. you know? Like, if you like it, commit, yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. And if then come to sell in five years' time and the estate agent says, do you know what? this bright pink bathroom, maybe let's tone it down. Fine, then you get the white paint out and you yeah, paint it. Yeah. But don't live like that for five years because I think as well, I don't know, It's when you think back to all your memories, mm. you don't remember the white rooms, the no, grey, no, no. you know. You remember the weird and wonderful, the bright, the bold, the soft. You don't remember like... You remember the stiletto chair. Oh, I love that stiletto. We, 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 chair. Uh, Toy Story a hundred times and I'll be brief. Yeah. One of our first developments, Scarlett wanted a stiletto chair. It was so nice. It was nearly the same height as the ceiling. <laughs> tell <laughs> it me wasn't. you got it. Tell no, me. he wouldn't let me. No. I even called mum uh, and yeah. told mum yeah. to tell him. Out the big too. guns. So, yeah, that's so, it. I'm so Scarlett went bold, but not that bold. <laughs> I would have oh. liked to. But, but you see, you're still thinking about it. Oh, I'm going to have, abs I'm absolutely going to have that chair at some point. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be feeling this way if it was like, oh, I wanted that grey sofa and then no, we got exactly. a different sofa. You'd have forgotten about it. Okay, yeah. I've got a deal. If you get that stiletto chair, Michaela yeah. can uphold it for you because I'm sure she'll make it look good. Oh okay. my God, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. This we'll is, make this, a custom yeah. one for you. Yes. Okay. You deserve it. Thank You've you. waited all these years. I have. <laughs> I waited 12 years for this. And then we're going to keep it in Stu's house. No. So yes, yes. To see it every day. Oh, yes. I love this. Okay, I moving swiftly this. on. <laughs> uh, can you share some of the hurdles that you've encountered whilst working on a home renovation project? And obviously you work with different clients with different needs and wants. And how do you navigate and like conquer these challenges? You've said that you want people to go bold, hmm. but how do you persuade them to do that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I'm persuading a client up front to go bold, I try and show them as many visuals as possible okay. because 
I think we all get stuck with what we have yes. and that's what we can imagine, yeah. right? So it's so hard to then imagine like all four walls wallpapered in this bright floral design. Mm -hmm. So I'll always show them as many visuals as I can to get them on board and explain the thought process in that. Most of the time, if a client has come to me, they're ready to be pushed. Right, okay. You yeah. know, because otherwise you're designing it yourself and you're holding yourself back and thinking, okay, I'm just going to start with one wall and blah, blah. If you want an interior designer, you're like, okay, I want you to tell me what's going to look good and yeah. I want to trust you or try to trust you as much yeah. as I can. It's normally about the budget okay. that mm -hmm. will determine, okay, maybe we pull back on this, maybe we, you know, push this further down the line. Those tend to be the hurdles as well. Right. So when you've started a project and then you uncover things that you weren't expecting, and it's the same with development, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you're kind of stripping a wall back and you realise that there's been a leak or whatever, yeah. like, and you need a little bit of extra budget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it generally always comes back to money. Okay. And those tend to be the sticking points. Yeah. And that's rightly so. There's no point bankrupting yourself because you really like a specific wallpaper and it's too expensive. Yeah. You know, like maybe save and wait or maybe find a different wallpaper. Yeah. And I don't know. So I'm always trying to push gently, guide. guide. Let's say guide. Yeah. Guide. <laughs> yeah. But generally schemes are, when they're presented as a whole, they don't seem as overwhelming because I don't say you're going to have this wallpaper and then it's just that. And they mm. think, oh, my God. They see the whole room. Yeah. You know, maybe I've drawn it out, sketched it out, painted it sometimes. And they see it with the sofa, with the new flooring, you know, with all the dressing. And they think, oh, that looks great. And, yes, there's suddenly a patterned wallpaper in the background. But it's not like, you know, they just come into the room and it's all wallpapered. And I say, okay, I've wallpapered. Yeah. You know? yeah, so yeah. I don't know. Generally, they're on side. Mm -hmm. And what's been the biggest most satisfying reaction that you've come across when one of your clients has seen the finished product do you know i think one of the best ones was actually when i did changing rooms oh, okay because they when you do tv shows it's a slight different format because they don't have any input right yeah right. so in some ways that's great as a designer because you don't have to pitch your idea and mm. um, <laughs> just do it you just do it yeah. yeah and the production companies like do what you want right. yeah you know and maybe the contributors have said we really like blue we don't like orange fine it's very vague yeah. so there's so much scope yeah and i can just get on with it do it but then there's that extra pressure right oh now i hope they love it yeah. because if they come in and they're like i'm oh, not that shade of blue oh god you know yeah it's like and the nation is watching it yeah exactly yeah. just to, and to it add yeah just to really <laughs> double in on the pressure you're like oh and now i'm being filmed mm. and they always want to i mean the first room i did for changing rooms i remember waiting outside the couple went in and were silent and I was just looking at the producer from behind the door. I nearly started crying. No. And I was like, oh, my God, they hate it. And I put this really, like, beautiful but, like, very vivid wallpaper in half of their master bedroom. And I painted, like, everything, you know, woodwork, <laughs> doors, yeah. everything. And they just went silent. And then the producer said to me, yeah, go in. And I thought, oh, God. oh, my God, oh, my God, they hate it, you know. And I went in, I could barely look at them. But then they loved it and they okay. were just in shock. Oh, okay. good, um, good. So that was really lovely. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a bit... I'm not used to that because normally clients have seen the design at mm. every stage. They know exactly what it's going to yeah. be. They come in at the end. Yeah, this is what we agreed. Thanks. Yeah. Right, not okay. like, wow, this isn't what I expected. You yeah. know, I don't say it's going to be blue. Sneaky. It's going to be green. <laughs> but has there ever been a time where you have done something for somebody and they've walked in and they're like, actually, we absolutely hate it. This is the complete opposite to what we thought it would be. Oh, God, no. Oh, thank, thank God, God. no. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And I hope that never happens. I hope it never I would happens. feel 
awful. Mm. Um, no, generally, I mean, clients, they always get to sign off. There's lots of back and forth before we start work. It's just the TV side is mm. where you're like, woohoo, I can do what I want. And then you almost forget about the client. And then there's that last bit. You know, there they are in the flesh yeah, saying... someone actually owns his house. Yeah, and they've got to sleep and it's nice. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and you're the like, rest oh of the time at this house. Yeah, oh so it's a, bit, it's a bit of pressure, but it's also really fun. So we mentioned sustainability and, and being eco-friendly, and I think now more than ever, it's really important. If people don't know where to start, what tips can you give them or do you have to make their home more eco-friendly? Literally based upon your experience, if it's interior design, whether it's upholstery, like what advice would you give? So with being eco-friendly and sustainable, it can feel really overwhelming. Yeah. And I think people are so worried about getting it wrong. The biggest thing is maybe you don't have to be sustainable in everything. Okay. You know, maybe it's not floor to ceiling. Everything has to be reclaimed. Everything has to be made from recycled plastic. But if you're buying something new or if you're buying a new raw material, flooring, fabric for curtains... Let it be one of the questions you ask yourself. Yeah. What would a sustainable option be for this? And then budget it and decide, you know, sometimes they're more expensive. Often they're not. But do you have the capacity to pay that little bit extra? What does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, and then kind of weigh it up. I think quite often we just go to high street stores mm. and they don't necessarily give us the breadth of options of sustainable materials. Yeah. So maybe just pause and a quick google search yeah. um you know what is sustainable flooring how much is a recycled floor yeah and you might have to wait a little bit extra for things to be sent to you or whatever it's just really about pausing mm. and yeah. not saying oh, i'm just going to run down to the high street diy store and just buy this mm. most things you can find a sustainable option yeah. you can find it second hand you can find someone's giving it away and reclaimed materials i think sounds really fancy <laughs> yeah. like oh this yeah. is a reclaimed floor what does that mean it just means it's come out of someone else's house yeah and it's been repolished or whatever and now it's being laid in your house and it doesn't mean it's less quality mm. often it means it is better quality because yeah. it's hardwood it, it will last yeah, yeah it's yeah. like if you can pull it out polish it up and then lay it down again that's pretty solid yeah, yeah. you yeah. know a lot of like laminate flooring is never going to be reused you pull it out that's it done, done. yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly that's never going to be reclaimed mm. so i think just about slowing down and not being afraid to ask questions. Ask your suppliers when you're in store, what are the sustainable options? Mm. What does this mean? It says it's recycled. Like, where's it recycled from? Just ask more questions. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have yeah. to have all the answers. Yeah. You've just got to be inquisitive. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that people have with sustainability is, oh, I need to know everything. And I need yeah. to be, like, across the board, eco-friendly. But like you said, that's not realistic. Or no. that it's going to be extremely expensive. Yeah. Because... The minute you mentioned sustainability, eco-friendly, straight away, people think, oh, but that's going to come at an expense. Mm -hmm. And I often say to people, well, there's a false economy. You can buy something that's cheaper, but it won't last as long. Yeah. And if you spend a little bit more money now, if it's still suitable and doing its job in 10 years time, then it's paid itself back and more. Totally. Um, so I, I think you make it very simple. Slow down, pause, ask the questions, is it financially like sustainable for you? Can yeah. you manage that? Can you afford it? Is it cheaper? But ask the questions. Yeah. And only then will you get the answers that you need. Exactly. And 
you know, you're not going to look stupid. You're not a builder. You're not an upholsterer. Yeah. You know, I love it when people come to me and say, okay, I want to re-upholster this chair. What are my options? I don't yeah. know anything about upholstery. And I'm yeah. like, great, you can have this, you can have this. You know, talk through all the options. If someone comes and says, oh, I want this, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily going to give them random information. Yeah. Mm. So I assume, oh, they know what they want. And then often at the end, they'll say, oh, I didn't realise I could have had blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, oh, you didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Ask, ask, ask Yeah, question. just ask. And with fabrics and stuff, there are so many options. I mean, most of the time, if you're thinking sustainable, you want it to be as natural as possible, yeah. right? Like wood, metal, wool, mm. cotton, those kind of flax, those kind of natural materials and steering clear of anything man-made yeah. unless it's then recycled. Right, yeah. So if you're yeah. using a plastic, it's a recycled plastic. And even now, there's some really amazing fabrics that are made out of recycled plastic. Mm. My brand with Charlotte called Studio Ginetti, we make soft furnishings and all of the inners for our cushions are made from recycled plastic bottles. Oh, oh wow. wow. So things like that that you wouldn't even think, yeah. oh, I'm going to buy a cushion. Yeah. Would you think like, oh, what are the sustainable options? Well, there are some. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just about going a bit slower. Okay, so this is my favourite part now of the podcast, which is when I ask you your best and worst. Of okay, oh God. So what would you say your best design project is and why? My best design project, interior design. Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably that first one I did for changing rooms. It really stands okay. out for me, I think, because... As I said, I could just kind of design whatever I liked. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, my God, I've joined Changing Rooms. I can do what I want and I'm going to show the nation my style. And I just, I loved that room. Yeah. I would happily have that room in my house. And then they loved it. Mm. So that was really encouraging. That's good. And this is my part, the part that's probably a bit more difficult. <laughs> what is your worst <laughs> design project? Uh, my worst... Oh, I know what it is. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> My worst, unfortunately, has already been shared with the nation. Oh. Um, on Interior Design Masters, week two, we did offices. Oh. And my office was not good. No, why was it so bad? I don't know. I just, don't I like just had a panic. Oh. Yeah, I just had a panic and a bit of a meltdown that week. Oh. And it just wasn't really representative of my style at all. Right. I got the layout wrong. I didn't really like it when it came together. And then, of course, you have to back it when you're like, <laughs> yeah. on the sofa and they're going, why did you do this? And I was like, I just don't know. Yeah. That was definitely the worst one. And that was week two. Luckily, I got through. But you came, you came joint third, right? Came joint third so, in the end. Yeah, yeah been that bad well i mean on shows like that you just need to not be the worst each week and that's yes. what gets you through <laughs> so i think i was very near the bottom that week but you um, weren't last and i you didn't go out. home luckily yeah but it was a bit of a shocker but you know what's good is that you're comfortable enough to say that and we're the same we've been in this industry for a long time and there are things that we have done previously that we look back and we just think why on earth did we do that? You wouldn't um, redo it now, right? Of course not. I would still go with a high heel chair. I was going to say, there are exceptions. <laughs> okay. There are exceptions. And I would still say no. However, <laughs> however, there are things that we've done and that's all part of the learning process, right? That you only really gain with experience. So for anybody who wants to be an upholsterer or an interior designer or develop properties, you are going to come across hurdles mm. that you might stumble over. It's what you do. And it's how you dust the dirt off your shoulder and how you progress and how you move on from that. Because people like yourself and like us who have succeeded, we've succeeded, but we have come across hurdles that have knocked us. Mm, yeah. um, and I think it's how you cope with those setbacks. Yeah. 
Totally. And if you're creative, you're always kind of evolving, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Like we're all ever changing and the things that we love in property now will not be the things we love in the properties in 20 years time, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I might design some things now and think they're great and then they might not age that well. I'm always <laughs> trying to future proof everything, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you never know. Yeah. That office, you know, I had a week, I think, to design it, but it took all my focus that week and I thought I'd done the best I could do yeah. that week. And then when it came together, I thought, this is awful. <laughs> so sometimes you can't be perfect. Well, no. you know what, Michaela, in 10 years' time, that could be an unbelievable office. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I don't think it existed. Oh. <laughs> uh, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned then in what it is that you do? I think it's just to allow yourself to be ever-changing. When I started doing upholstery, I didn't think I'd get into interior design. When I got into interior design, I didn't think I'd start doing TV. You know, when I did TV, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to have my own online course for people to learn. Like, it's not being afraid to try something new. And that means not being afraid to fail at something because not everything goes well. Sometimes there's a really ugly office project (laughs) Um, (laughs) or a grey. I've done so many grey sofas. Um, Or grey wool. Refuse to do grey walls. (laughs) But I've done loads of grey furniture where I can't really refuse to do. You know, I'm like, it's your sofa. You can decide. But yeah, just allowing yourself to fail means that you can at least try new things. And trying is the fun bit, you know. It's not the succeeding. It's not the getting everything right. But you might design your living room and you might end up really hating the table that you bought the coffee table but it's going to be funny it's going to be a talking point and there's ways around it you can paint it you can upcycle it you can swap it with someone online you know don't be afraid to try Yeah. Mm. and I guess as well another really big lesson is to back yourself Yeah. because if you didn't back yourself all those years ago you wouldn't be here now yeah that is such a big lesson actually and something people always say to me is you're so lucky and it's not luck. No. I filled out the application form for that TV show. Right. You know, and I always say to people, oh, how many TV shows have you applied for? Mm-hmm. And their answer is exactly. zero. Exactly. Well, you're not going to be lucky to get through if you haven't applied. Yeah. yeah. So just go for it. Yeah. You're I get one say, shot. the harder you work, the luckier you become. <laughs> exactly. So, that. There you go. It's, it's so yeah. true. I like the fact that you're an advocate of being bold. You're an advocate yeah. of being brave. In your design as well, yeah. not even just as a person. But I think that fear of failure that's what stifles mm. most people mm. and um, creativity it really does yeah. yeah um and you are testament to that because you've faced your fears you've gone alone you've done your thing you've put yourself in i suppose compromising position situations you've even moved to spain without speaking spanish mm. um yeah. so yeah you are a get up and go person but mm. you've achieved a lot because of that and i think for the listeners out there is there ever a right time maybe not but if you take that step and you're brave and you're bold and you take ownership of your decision, then you're only going to be a success one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. Listen to your intuition. You know, if you like something, go for it. If, yeah. if you feel a calling to something, give it a try. Yeah. Like your body kind of tells you what it wants mm-hmm. to do and what it doesn't want to do. Just listen to that. And it doesn't have to be what everyone else is doing. It doesn't have to be what everybody else likes. If you're like, I really want to paint that ceiling black do it exactly. if you're like I really want to buy a farm in Spain and get a donkey join me <laughs> <laughs> and, hold on hold on where did a donkey come from I oh know. yeah there's going to be donkey okay, donkey as yeah. well yeah and I was also thinking if you want that high heel chair just order it yeah. I'm just ordering it right now yeah I'm just doing it right now <laughs> I can't wait to make that with you 
Honestly, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Michaela. Thanks Thank you so me. much. I'm really excited to follow your journey in Spain with your farm and now your donkeys. And well. the donkeys. Um, I and... have you guys over. You know, yeah. I, I was about to say that. Like <laughs> the first housewarming party, we are there. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. I would love to host you guys. Yeah, we'd love it. And we need to talk about getting your own show for this. I think uh, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, the dream. Um, but we wish you all the very best, everything. And let people out there know where they can find out more about you if they want to follow your journey as well. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Michaela Sharp Design, which is all also the name of my website, Michaela Sharp Design. I run a brand with Charlotte called Studio Ginetti, which you can find on Instagram or online. And my online upholstery course, if you're brave enough to give it a go, <laughs> is with Create Academy. Brilliant. I might log into that and see what I can put no, together. No, I don't think you should do no? that. I think you should stick to the day job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on Leave that, that note, to me. <laughs> on that note, Michaela, thank you very much. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks it's for been an absolute me. pleasure. Thank you. That was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And Michaela shared some valuable advice for people looking to make their homes more eco-friendly. Yes, she did indeed. So one was take it slow and don't get overwhelmed. Yep. Two was to ask questions, seek sustainable options from suppliers. Yes. And three, explore eco-friendly alternatives. So be open to new ideas. Yep, for sure. Michaela, a big, big thank you for joining us. Now, next week, we are going full beast mode <laughs> and speaking to someone who is widely recognised for his incredible physical strength and heavy build as a footballer. Yes, he is also someone that you're working with at the moment, aren't you, Stuart, to renovate his home? Yes, I am. I've got pressure to... To deliver. To produce. <laughs> it's Adebayo Akinbenwa, also known as The Beast. Until then, see you later, Stuart. Take care, Scarlett.